festivals, football, flannels. Some say fall is their favorite time of year. And this fall, there are now updated COVID-19 booster shots designed to help protect against COVID-19 variants. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster shot appointment as soon as you're eligible. And don't forget to enjoy the foliage. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. So the thing about me, though, is that I've, I've never been like a shy or quiet person except for at work. Like anybody that's known me, I've been, I'm a Leo, so I'm just super out there. Um, so, so when it comes to creating content, it was never like I was shy of the camera, none of that. It just, it's like, I'm such a natural at it. I don't even think about it. Not but... you pulling out Zodiac signs. <laughs> It's, it's the truth. No, I, I identify with everything about the Leo personality. But yeah, so so at work, it was work for me to have to be meek, to have to be shy, to not speak up unless spoken to. You know, that was constant work because that wasn't who I was. I've always been a big mouth. My family is like, my family, my uncle's like, Giovanna, estás tan bonita, pero cállate. Like, he's just like, because I have a big mouth. And it's so rude. I know, super rude and misogynistic. I know, <laughs> Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't a factor for me. Uh, but yeah, I think about that. What you just said, right? That there's definitely some people in my LinkedIn network that know that 25 year old Giovanna that they ignored, and now they see me, you know, again out on these social media streets, and they're probably like, "What? Where did this come from?" But it's just they didn't know the real me, you know. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo. What's up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast, brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. As a reminder, on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. So every week we have a new guest join us for a very candid conversation around the conflict that they have experienced between professionalism and authenticity. Many of these stories often go untold. And if they are told, they're often told anonymously. Because we put a face and a name to each story, it's no surprise why this podcast has been going viral. In fact, this podcast, the Quintuetas podcast, is in the top 2% of all podcasts globally. That's right. Thanks to the stories and the experiences that our guests share. Speaking of guests, this week on the podcast, we have Giovanna Gonzalez, also known as Gigi. Before getting into the episode, let me give you a quick bio of who Gigi is. This way you have some more context going into it. Gigi teaches financial literacy and career readiness to first-generation Latinas through educational workshops and on her TikTok account at The First Gen Mentor, where she's built a community of over 195,000 people. She holds a BA in economics, a certificate in investment performance measurement, and 10 years of experience in financial services. To get a full bio, please be sure to check out the show notes. Now that you know a little bit more about Gigi, let's get into this dope conversation. Let's start off with the first question that I always ask. The word authenticity, it's such a buzzword. What does it mean to you though? It means to be myself, like in my truest form without having to like conform to what I'm expected to be, right? And, you know, there's, you have to have some sort of filter. You can't just be acting wild either. 
right? You got to keep it professional in the way that you speak. So being respectful and diplomatic, but, but still being your, who you are, right? Who you are at home is like who you should be at home too. You should not be a completely person at work. That's exhausting. I think it's fascinating that you mentioned the word expectations, because I think that's where the first assimilation starts, right? It's like other people's expectations and probably first time being family. Like what sort of expectations do you think your family had for you growing up as a, as a woman, as a Latina, all of those? Um, definitely to do well in school. I think my parents just growing up were like, Hey, like we moved here and we expect you guys to have a better life than we did. So to do that, you guys have to go to school. Like it just wasn't really an option not to, although it was because my two brothers didn't go to college. <laughs> I'm the only one that did out of the three of us. <laughs> but but we, the, at least that's not the messaging we heard growing up. Growing up, it's like, you guys should go to college. You guys want to have an easier life than we do. And and we wish we would have had the opportunity to go to college. So yeah, definitely to, to seek a higher education uh, and to be respectful of our family, I'd say, was another expectation that, that we lived up to. What sort of pressures did you feel, if at all, to like... Because there's like, we left this so you can do that, right? Like, what sort of pressure do you think or emotions came up as you start to hear some of those expectations? Yeah, so my parents weren't too tough on us. Um, you know, my dad, the way he showed me you need to go to school was by taking me like on ride alongs to work with him. So he rents party supplies, like uh, tables and chairs, bouncy houses, that sort of thing. And we would wake up early on the weekends, you know, we'd wake up at six. And then we work probably till about 1pm. And where I'm from, you know, it gets real hot in the summer, it gets up to like 120 degrees in the valley. And um, it was not fun work, you know? So as I'd complain, like, dad, it's hot. Can we go home? Like, can we finish early? He'd be like, this is a life that expects that it what waits for you if you don't go to college. So through like living, like how hard it could be, that's kind of like how we felt the pressure. It wasn't constantly like, let's see your grace. Let's see your report card. But mostly like, you don't want to live what I'm living now. So you better go to school. That is fascinating. That's the first time I've ever heard like such a <laughs> way to teach or like motivate children to to go to school. I actually love that. Yeah, no, that's that's my parents. <laughs> <laughs> what about when you started when you even thought about like because this idea of go to school, right? It's It's so vague. And once you get into school, it's like, yo, there's so much that I can do. Right. And then I think when we think about what we want to do in a career or even what we want to study, we either have our passions and interests that go into it, or we have some sort of representation growing up where we're like, oh, my uncle has like a cool job. That that looks cool. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, that did not exist <laughs> uh, for me at all. Yeah. I mean, I do have family members that went to college in, in Mexico, right? So I have, you know, my, my older cousin's an engineer. Uh, I have like an aunt that's a nurse, you know, so there's people like that. But um, I always knew that I wanted to do something with money. I like the the banking world just kind of kept coming to me. But yeah, I didn't know any bankers in my family, anything like that. So and why um, why banking? Why did that like get your attention or your ears and eyes perked and all that? Yeah, I honestly can't explain it since since yeah since like high school. I I just knew I was good at math and I knew I liked to crunch numbers. And then I know the personality of an accountant was just very like meek, and you're just kind of behind closed doors. So just something about banking or or managing money always appealed to me since high school. I just didn't know in what capacity. I never would have guessed it would be to be a financial educator. Interesting. So I had the same inclination, but I know exactly why. 
I wanted mm-hmm. to go into it. Like I admired people in suits for mm-hmm. some reason. Like they just had a certain level of respect to them. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I always had the correlation in my head. I was like, suits equals respect and suits equals they make a lot of money as well. Right. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like the the beliefs that I'm also trying to get rid of when it comes to professionalism. Like, yeah. Why should I why am I growing up given a certain level of respect to a person in suit, but not the engineer in T-shirt, for example. Right. But I but I went to school. I was like, I literally studied economics because I wanted to go into banking <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. and like it's not like I was super passionate about it but I was just like I want to make money and I'm and I want to be respected and not even like respected by my family I was like I want the clout yeah you were clout chasing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly because there's power in that imagine yeah. you know finishing works like oh my god what do you do <laughs> in banking you know what mm-hmm. I mean like Mm-hmm. So as you started exploring those careers, is that what you ended up doing, like starting internships and eventually like professionally as well? Yeah. So I did have one internship uh, working with a financial planner in Santa Barbara when I was in college. And that was good. I mean, I really liked what I saw from the job, but what was intimidating was having to get your own book of clients, you know? So he was constantly out in the field, going to networking events, smoothing people, you know, to, to get clients. And to me, that was really intimidating. And it's funny because now, like, that's very much the world that I'm in. I have to go and get my own work as an entrepreneur. Uh, I also had another internship at the Department of Commerce when I did a quarter in D.C. Uh, so that was just, you know, on the more on the government side. But, um, yeah, I just learned that I I didn't, <laughs> I very much had, like, that scarcity mindset of, like, how am I going to, like, get all these clients on my own? I'd rather just be at a safe company where like they give you the work they already have the work and you know the paycheck is steady so um i ended up eventually in, in investment management so i did reporting for uh, our institutional clients to show how their investments were doing on a monthly on a quarterly on a yearly basis all right so let's take it back to that first day of work right mm-hmm. and it could it could be in any of those early internship experiences how did you think about showing up like the, even visually, because I think that that's something that's like, all right, I want them to take, take me seriously. I want to look a certain way. I want to give off a certain energy. I want to be respected. Like, did you have any of those thoughts going into it? Yeah, definitely. A big part of it was the dress, you know, because my first full time job actually wasn't in finance. It was working in insurance for progressive insurance. And it was super casual. You know, people wear jeans, shirts. So it was super, super casual. And then when I did my pivot into finance to use my econ degree, I'm like, I got to look the part. Right. So I went shopping. I went to La Rosa. I went to Ross and I got a bunch (laughs) of, you know, like nicer business casual because I had to look the part Uh, heels, little kitten heels um and yeah pencil skirts that was a big part of me of me looking the part and feeling like I belonged and then mostly just like having to be quiet right and listening and observing and learning from like the more senior people um looking back you know it's, it's I'm glad we're having this conversation because you, you forget how far you come right so like taking me back there I remember like you know being surrounded by more senior uh, executives, right? Within this, it was a small company, but you know, they went to Wharton, they went to all these fancy Ivy leagues, whatever. Right. And, um, they wouldn't even look at me. Like I would be in the break room and you know, what's a polite thing to do when you see anybody. Right. But especially like a coworker, just like, Oh, Hey, how are you? How's today? Oh, good. That's it. Right. Just to be polite. 
nothing. They wouldn't even look at it. It was like I was a ghost. I didn't exist. Uh, yeah. And of course, those companies are the ones that now, oh, we value diversity and representation, all, you know, all the buzzwords now. Right. Was that your impression of their voice? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it it wasn't good, you know, and this is me at 25 years old and now me at 33. I just wish, I mean, I, I have compassion for like 25 year old Giovanna that just didn't know how to navigate that. But now I'd be like, Hey, how's your day? Like, I'm going to force your ass to speak to me and acknowledge me, you know? Uh, and if you're not going to answer me, Oh, are you having a bad day? You know? So like, I'm not going to be ignored, you know? Um, it take, it costs nothing to be polite to people. You know, back then I was just like, oh, I'm not important enough to like, you know, get a high from this guy. Okay, I'm just going to quickly make my lunch and get out of this break room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and it's fascinating, too, that you know, like the things that you were observing at that age were mm -hmm. like, you notice so many details just by walking in, right? Like automatically you were like, I'm the youngest person in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't go to whatever ivy league school they went to i'm not sure what school you went to but um not ivy league i went to santa barbara <laughs> okay okay and great Public school, school. <laughs> yeah but just not ivy league mm -hmm. um you're the youngest in the room you, and also you like you, you also feel like you're not acknowledged you, you you're made to feel like all right not that many people look like me and also like i need to go shopping did anyone tell you you had to go shopping no Nobody did. No. So, so why did you? Um, I think I had probably that same perception, right, of people in this space dress up nicer. And I mean, and that I got that confirmation that first day that I showed up, people were definitely in nice slacks, nice heels. Um, so yeah, I would have stood out if I would have just gone in like the t-shirt and jeans that I had before at Progressive. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fascinating. Um, and that's something that's something I actually tell a lot of people we all walk into spaces during like our early years into work and we look around and we take a quick peek as like what is essentially like an eye test of like what the culture is yeah seeing how people dress etc but as we look around like based on the data says that three out of four latinos at work suppress essentially are faking it at work right so during that eye test if i see someone that looks like me but they're faking it too the signals that they're going to send me are like Oh shit, like mm -hmm. I, I need to fake in order to be successful here, right? So as like we are also representation for people that mm -hmm. are looking at us when they come into work. So like I feel like often the onus is put on like people that don't look like us. Um, or often like people think that like we look at people that don't look like us and 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 think to like, oh, we have to adjust, but we have just as much power to create that representation for other people too. One hundred percent. Yeah, I have a lot of regrets about that, you know. Um for really? Yeah, for a lot of interviews, like for these corporate jobs that I had, I would straighten my hair just because, again, nobody told me to straighten my hair, but I didn't know people that look like me that would go to interviews with big, right now it's not that big because I haven't fluffed it out. <laughs> it's still drying, but usually my, my curly hair is a lot more bigger than this. And, and I just wasn't used to seeing that and it wasn't perceived to be professional at the time. Um, so I straightened it and you know, that might not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal when you learn that my hair takes me two hours to straighten, you know, so that's a huge time suck, uh, energy suck. And that's additional time that I could have spent uh, preparing for the interview for the next day or getting better rest so that I'm like refreshed for the interview, you know, and um, for a long time, I, I didn't have that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like the opportunity cost when it comes to time 
is not often calculated. Like we often think we have to go shopping or we have to do this and that. And we think about the money that it costs to buy a blazer, but we mm. don't think about the time commitment that it takes to like, for example, like you said, do your hair. Like if what, two hours? Like you could have been prepping for the interview for two hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm so, yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. All right. So when did you start? Because at some point, like before you get to the person who you are now, you start to feel a little bit more comfortable being yourself, or at least you start to get the courage to maybe want to peel back the layers and bring a little bit more of you into professional settings. Like, what was that moment where you started to be like, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna start being a little bit more of myself. Before we get into that, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode of the Quinduetas podcast is sponsored by McDonald's. Since 1985, McDonald's has given over $33 million in scholarships. You can win one of 30 scholarships available and win a scholarship of up to $100,000. This year, McDonald's is giving away $500,000 in scholarships. Since 1985, Hased has helped aspiring Latino students achieve their dreams of going to college. But despite students' unwavering desire for progress, they still feel lost and powerless, making the need for support greater than ever. And that means it's time to hacer more. Students can apply to McDonald's Hacer National Scholarship and go further like Katia in Chazareta. To apply to the McDonald's Hacer National Scholarship, visit mcdonalds.com slash hacer. That is H-A-C-E-R. Quien tu eres is supported by First Republic Bank. Your hard work is paying off. That's why it's time to start working with a financial partner who will always have your back. At First Republic, you'll have access to your own personal banker who knows you by name and is prepared to support your financial needs. Learn how personalized banking can make a difference for you and your family at firstrepublic.com. Remember, FDIC equal housing lender. I didn't start feeling more comfortable until I started working at a more diverse firm, you know? So before that, it was mostly white male coworkers. And yeah, I could not be myself there. Uh, but when I switched to Northern Trust, which was my most recent corporate job, they had a great representation. We had a lot of Latino employees, Black employees, and also Latino and Black leadership, you know, uh, relative to, to other companies. Um, they still have a lot of work to do on their own, you know, but um, when I saw people that look like me, I'm like, okay, you know, I can let the curly hair down, right? Um, dress more colorfully, wear bolder earrings, not just holes. Uh, and a big part of that was was a culture in the sense that they had very engaged um, employee resource groups, right? That had events on, you know, so that people could network together or could learn this about, you know, their group and their history or celebrate these special holidays, you know? So that that mattered and it made me feel more seen. But it really wasn't until like, like the murder of George Floyd that I really went super, I don't give a fuck, you know? Like, what are we doing, you know, um, that I just, that I'm unapologetically myself, I'd say after, I think a lot of people, our values kind of changed after that. But for me, that was a big game changer. Yeah. Talk to me about why that was such a game changer for you. Um, I mean, I just, I just thought like, why does this keep happening? And, you know, I just kind of spiraled into like, okay, the cops are scared of black men because they don't have black friends, you know? So all they see is like these thugs on these, tv shows or movies because that's what's portrayed in the media right so the media has such a big part in how we're perceived by others 
right? Um, that's why diverse stories and, and movies matter so much. And I'm just like, well, who controls the media? Like white men, you know? So um, they don't care if we're represented or not. And um, I'm just like, I've been spending this all this time, like trying to impress those people for what? You know, for at the end of the day, like they can just kill you like a fucking dog on the street, you know? So ever since then, I just kind of turned my back on them. I just unapolog unapologetically, honestly, turned my back on them and just focus on my community. Like instead of trying to impress them or trying to make change within their system, I'm like, let me just empower my people and talk to my people and show them the ropes, you know, from what I've learned. And any white people that want to learn, they're welcome to, you know, but they're not my main priority. What's one of those first changes or big changes that you implemented in yourself and trying to feel a little bit more authentic that you were just like, all right, let's see how this goes. A small way that I kind of was like, let me just unleash myself was through my nail color. You know, I think growing up, I was always told that to work in professional settings, you had to have like a nude or a neutral kind of co nail colored. These are pretty neutral right now. They're brown. But um, yeah, now I do like the lime greens, like the bright oranges. I get so many compliments and and I love them. So I think that was kind of like a small way that I started to just kind of be myself more. And then I vow to, I'm never, when George Floyd happened, I'm like, I'm never straightening my hair again. Like, why, why was I doing that? You know, because I'm adding to the problem, right? Like you said, by me not creating that representation and not showing that to other people, I'm contributing to this. Yeah, that's powerful, right? Like it kind of yeah. changes the perspective on like what role you play in creating culture. Mm -hmm. I love I love the fact that you said that like you started to get compliments on certain things. And I think when we create these hypothetical scenarios in our head of like, well, if I do this, then they're going to say this. And it's often like a negative story. But you started to get compliments on something as simple as like you said, something as simple as like your nails. And people were like, oh, my God, I love that color. You're like, Oh, wait, people actually <laughs> like me for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. tell me a little bit. And then that shit, that, that takes another level when you start creating content as well. Cause then your reach and, and, your, and your message and your representation is actually amplified. But like, was that helpful in you continuing to lean into some of that? Was the hearing you saying like the, the positive affirmations from people? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know that it was helpful. Um, it makes me feel good. I think any, any compliment will make anybody feel good. But I think I was pretty radicalized honestly when all that happened I really was <laughs> I just saw my uncle a couple weeks ago he's super Republican we go back and forth because you know <sighs> he just has these wild views and I he's have just a like, Republican uncle too oh you Something do about uncles I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah he's just like what happened to you and I'm like COVID like George Floyd like BLM like I don't I don't care man I don't care yeah it just it just really rocked me to my core so then how did you realize that you were representation for people then? Because there was nobody really else like me, you know? So I had to show people like what this looks like, right? So for, I mean, on my team, I, I was I was so experienced. You know, I was doing the work of like a leader, but I wasn't getting paid like a leader and I didn't have the role of a leader. I think a, a lot of that was because I was just still playing small, you know, and I felt like I wasn't supposed to be there I didn't look at the people there but after that I just said yes to every opportunity that came my way and knew that I'm like you know I, I adopted this mindset of like you know these corporations are not nonprofits. like they're here to make money and they wouldn't still be here if I wasn't making the money that means I'm valuable to them you know because yeah they trim fat because they're they're not in the business of bleeding out money 
So just like owning my value and knowing that I deserve to be here even more than all these motherfuckers because I didn't have the resources that they had and I write beside them doing the same kind of work and better than they are. You know, they're asking me questions on how to do this shit, you know? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it takes like a traumatic experience, even if it doesn't happen directly to you. I mean, George Floyd is often uh, an event, tragic event that I think unlocked a lot of that for people. I think COVID was another yeah. one of those like traumatic, tragic experiences that sort of like awaken that in, in a lot of people as well. Was it a lot? Was it around that time that you started creating a lot more content as well? Yeah, I mean, it was around that time that I started volunteering back with first gen students, you know, so I'm like, I thought about these kids. I'm like, Oh, my God, like their whole world has changed. Like college is supposed to be like their most fun years, right? Because they're being young, they don't have any responsibilities. And instead, they're like locked away at home. So I'm like, how can I support them? And it's like, ooh, I can be a virtual mentor, right? I don't have to be in person anymore. Yeah, because I actually had tried volunteering with my with UCSB before uh, as a mentor. And they're like, are you in Santa Barbara? I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, oh, we need local mentors. So they that was years ago. So then obviously with COVID, they're like, anybody from anywhere can do, be a remote mentor. So that really helped me get it back in touch with the younger version of myself and the needs that I had as like, a young first gen student uh and then yeah that eventually led to to the content at some point there seems to be this intersection between like the first gen experience the latina experience and also your passion for money and financial independence like when did that come about too before we get into that let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors this episode of the kintu Edis podcast is sponsored by coca-cola we are this far into the year already time has just flown by so quickly that i can't even keep up and as we get into these later months of the year, a few things come to mind. I live in New York, so the drop in temperature is something that I've had to come to terms with. With the decrease in temperature brings an increase in layers. And the temperature changes, the leaves falling, all of that really reminds me that the holidays are coming. And for me, the holidays represent a time to reconnect with loved ones, with family, friends. Whether I'm celebrating the holidays in the Dominican Republic, or here in the United States, one thing has always remained present, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together. Enjoy the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with good friends and family, delicious food, and of course, ice-cold Coke. The passion for money came before uh, 2020. Uh, that came in like, yeah, probably uh, uh, early 2019, maybe end of 2018. Um I just got to a point where I was like sick of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm like, I did everything right. Like my parents told me to go to college. I got good grades. I picked a safe major. Like, why am I still struggling with what I'm getting paid? So then I started learning. I'm like, okay, it's because I don't, I'm not managing my money well. Like the little money that I am earning, I'm not making the best choices with them. So I just immersed myself in learning about money. Um, so yeah, that happened. Yeah. Like in 2018, I guess. And then once I kind of learned everything, I said, like, whoa, like, this is so unfair that some people get this knowledge and others don't. And I want to, like, help the people that, like, they don't know what they don't know, right? So I want to I want to help them with this information that I know. Um, and then that's how I looked into ways to get involved. So I, like, Googled, like, teach financial literacy, you know, volunteer, whatever. And then I came across a nonprofit uh, that I could volunteer with. Their only requirement was that you were a financial professional and then they provided the materials for you to facilitate. 
So I did that for, for about a year and a half. So when I started creating content, I had already been volunteering as an educator in money. So I'm like, let me kind of combine these two interests, right? So my passion for money education, but then from the perspective of the first gen. I think a lot of people don't feel comfortable being their authentic selves at work because they feel like they don't have that financial security, right? There's often the fear of, well, what if I am this way? What if they let me go? Mm -hmm. Right. I then can't be myself because I'm afraid to get let go because I don't have financial security. Right. So what really helped me let go of the fear of even being fired is to have a strong savings account. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I was slowly becoming more of myself and certain things helped. Right. As far as like, you know, therapy, but also like building up a resume. But what really got me to like not give a fuck mm -hmm. to the point where like I'm posting whatever I wanted. I'm just like, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. is when I had a solid savings account. And that was around the time I quit. I think that was like, I mean, I'm still growing, but like that was pretty close to like the peak of not giving a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's really, really important for people to, like the, the content that you're making is so important on like the education that you're doing is so important because I do think a lot of people will be more comfortable being themselves in any setting with the right financial situation in place. Yeah. So what you just described is called F you money. Yeah. You yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't, but I don't, I didn't have F you money. I didn't, I didn't have that much money saved, but it's yes. still something right where you feel like some sort of security. Right. Yeah. And, and it 100% helps you be more bold and really lean into like what's important to you and others can take it or leave it because I got a little money to kind of get me through until I find my next gig, you know? So yeah, it's super empowering um, to have that sort of financial support, right? Whatever happens. Agreed. Uh, and it's also fascinating too, because here you are creating a ton of this content, but it's an interesting dynamic of when you first started working, you even use the word quiet. Mm -hmm. to describe you <laughs> yeah. right like you are here in this like hypothetical water cooler situation where like you're being ignored right not being spoken to and I'm not saying you're now loud but I guess visible is yeah. a fair word yeah were you nervous about like starting to create content and like what was that feeling of like when you first started going viral like it must have been a little bit anxious but at the same time you are now becoming that representation that you kind of set out to be. Yeah. So the thing about me, though, is that I've, I've never been like a shy or quiet person except for at work. Like anybody that's known me, I've been I'm a Leo, so I'm just super out there. Um. So so when it comes to creating content, it was never like I was shy of the camera. None of that. It just it's like I'm such a natural at it. I don't even think about it. Not but... you pulling out Zodiac signs. <laughs> It's, it's true. No, I, I identify with everything about the Leo personality. But yeah, so so at work, it was work for me to have to be meek, to have to be shy, to not speak up unless spoken to. You know, that was constant work because that wasn't who I was. I've always been a big mouth. My family is like, my family, my uncle's like, Giovanna, estás tan bonita, pero cállate. Like, he's just like, because I have a big mouth. And I, so rude. I know, super rude and misogynistic. I know. <laughs> but um. Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't a factor for me. Uh, but yeah, I think about that. What you just said, right? That there's definitely some people in my LinkedIn network that know that 25 year old Giovanna that they ignored, and now they see me, you know, again out on these social media streets, and they're probably like, "What? Where did this come from?" But it's just they didn't know the real me, you know. What is that like when people start reaching out to you though, and you're like, 
wait, what? That like they didn't know the real me. I'm sure you have previous coworkers, previous colleagues. Are they just like surprised? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, I think about this often. I'm like, they're a bunch of haters because I feel like if I saw somebody from that was a past coworker, I'd be like, hey, it's super cool that you're like doing this. I've gotten a little bit of that, maybe like three people that have done that, but it was we had somewhat of a relationship at work. But yeah, other people haven't really commented. I'm sure a bunch haven't followed because they're just haters and they don't want to see me, you know, shining. There's, there's been, there's only been one person, um, a former manager of mine who's like, I always knew you could do it. You know, all blowing up all the smoke up my ass, but I knew you were destined for great things. And I'm like, really? So is that why you just constantly sabotage my career? You know? So he used to be super, um, he used to hide me up on my post and he used to irk me. Cause it's like, you were part of the problem, you know? And he was uh, a person of color. He was biracial and he was in a position of power to help me out and give me guidance and mentorship. And he never did. But now that I'm successful, he wants to claim to be a part of that. It's like, no, you, you were a villain <laughs> in my story. Like you did not help me, you know? And I think um, until recently I, I posted something about bad bosses and he must've identified with it and then he just kind of stopped commenting. So it's like, stay where you're at, you know, don't, you are not a part of this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, now let you see where I'm at. Now you're supporting. Yeah. Yeah. Now they want to cheer for you and be like, Oh, I always believed in you. It's like, no, you were a villain in my story. And you know that, like, come on, you know, mm. talk to me a little bit about those villains. And I'm not looking for like, obviously <laughs> spe specific people, but you did have certain moments where you're just like, I'm going to do my nails different. Or I'm going to do this, this and that. Like, how do you think you were received in some of those early instances? Um, are you saying post George Floyd or pre George Floyd? Either one. Yeah. I mean, post uh, pre George Floyd, I put up with, with so much crap, you know, um, one of the jobs that I worked at, uh, they had what I call a separate, but equal sink. I swear to God. Um, what? So, yes. Yes. And Wait, they um, called it that. I, co I coined it that <laughs> I'm like, what is this separate, but equal sink? So basically when we did the office tour and they set the tone from the beginning, we did the office tour and they're like, oh, we have two sinks, but this is an employee sink. And then this is a, a sink for the founder or whatever. And it's like, oh, why does, why does he get us? Does he have like special dietary needs? Oh no. It's just, he wants his sink to be clean, you know? So we keep the employees. Yeah. And, you know, at first I'm like, okay, that's what you got to do. So I would use that. And that one was always full of dishes and there was a bunch of stuff. The other one was crystal clean because he was never there. He would go to the office once a month, you know? Um, and then with time, I just started being like, fuck this. What is this classic shit about like, oh, like I'm the founder. So you guys, you know, like, what is this? So I just started using it. He even had his own fridge too. We had two fridges. This was the employee fridge and this was the founder's fridge and you, your stuff. And the other one's over flooding with food. There's no more space, you know? Um, and I just started putting my stuff and just being like, they can say something. I don't care. You know, like, I'm just going to be like, there's no more space. That's why I'm putting my stuff there. Yeah. Wow. And mm -hmm. it was just one person. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was one person that was there once a month. It was a founder of the company, you know, but this is also the same company that when George Floyd happened, you know, they, uh, I found out from a former colleague, they're like, I'm so livid. Cause you know, all these companies were making statements right against, you know, the, what had happened and they took a to come out with a statement because it seems like internally they had sent out a memo saying like, Hey, you know, we're pressured to come out with a statement, but a lot of our clients are police unions and we just don't want to, you know, ruffle their feathers. Want to say anything. Uh, so if you're asked, like, don't say anything. And then eventually they put out a, like a fake statement being like, Oh, we're in support of, you know, black lives matter, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I know it's complete trash. There's a, there's a bunch of these companies that are just, 
you know, and now you go on their website. And like I said, we care about diversity, equity, and inclusion, representation, and you know, but it's, it's all BS. Oh, everybody cares about DEI, right? <laughs> well, now everybody does. Everybody claims to. I'd say some places claim more than, you know, actually do. Like yeah. I said, the last firm that I was at, they did a pretty good job of, of really trying. But but yeah, some are definitely just performative, you know. So I, I try to empower like my community by like showing the signs of like which ones are the real deal and which ones are just, you know, for the clout, chasing the clout, right? Yeah. What about, and those instances are so unfortunate, disappointing, sad, all of those adjectives. What about how you were received, though, when you showed up um, a little bit more authentically? Like, did you? I didn't. I didn't get that opportunity, you know, and that's kind of frustrating for me because we went remote in March of 2020. And then I quit my job in June of 2021, which we were still remote. So I never got to go back to the office, which is frustrating, like I said, because that was when I'm like, I'm be me, whether you like it or not. But then I had this new life, right, that I leaned into instead. Um, So. So now I just, it, it, you, you, you like it or not, right? Like take it or leave it. Um, hate me or love me. Like I'm here. Right. And I'm me and I'm not for everybody and that's okay. You know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Dang. We got to get you back there just for like a quick runway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, what's so dope. I actually saw a picture of you the other day and it made me so happy. You What's were, you were on a stage and I don't know for what conference, mm. but I immediately saw you. Uh-huh. I think I know which one. Was I wearing you, a green blazer? Yeah. Yeah. So Everyone that was... else on stage was wearing <laughs> a black blazer, or I think black and gray. And you talk about like neutral tones. That was literally <laughs> the entire stage. And I didn't even know, like I was just scrolling through my feed. I didn't know it was your profile. I just saw a green blazer. I was like, I wonder if, if young you would have worn that green blazer on stage. You know what I mean? No, definitely not. And I and I had that moment too when I was um, at this event. So yeah, this was just a couple of days ago. Uh, it was in Virginia. It was a summit with the National Credit Union Administration. So it's a federal agency. And um, you know, I mentioned earlier, I interned at the Department of Commerce, and this is twelve years ago. So back then, yeah, like I said, the little kitten heels, you know, the the curly hair that was very much you know under control, um, and just you know blending in with everybody, right, was what I was taught to do the smaller earrings right not to bring too much attention to yourself and now this time like I'm being welcomed as as a speaker to share my lived experience share my knowledge share my insights and I just knew that I wanted to to pop pop a little right so I had that green blazer I got a bunch of compliments uh with some black leggings um and then I I don't usually do a red lip but I really lean into like my AOC inspo I, I wore the red lip uh, and then I, I did hoops, which I usually do hoops these days now. So big gold hoops uh, and then the big round curly hair. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a completely different person. <laughs> what a full circle moment. Like, yeah. did you have any anxieties going into it as far as like, hey, I don't usually do the, the red lip or like, I'm going to wear this outfit. Like any, any of those things. What one, that question. And then two, how did it feel for people to tell you? the compliments, the positive affirmations, like what did that feel like during that event as well? It felt good. Yeah, it, it felt good to to hear that people liked how I looked. Um, and I know I'm creating that representation. Uh, was I nervous? Not at all, because I'm being myself, right? So no, I was I was not nervous about showing up in my most authentic form. 
but I did have that moment where I paused and I thought, wow, 12 years ago, this was very different. I would have never wanted to have stood out. And now I know that that's like my superpower, right? Being me. So it's, yeah, it was definitely like a moment of gratitude where I paused and I'm like, I'm, I'm thankful for even like the lows, right? The lows have made me really value the highs. So. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And obviously you're not done in your journey of growth and of authenticity. As you continue to to look forward, what's the one thing that continues to inspire you or make you feel empowered to continue being your most authentic self? I'd say, you know, all the messages that I get in my DMs, I'm sure you can relate, you know, uh, but just people saying like, if you ever question, if you're making a difference, like you are, like you've impacted me. Um, so helping people feel seen, helping people feel like they don't have to figure it out alone. Like, you know, and, and if I, I can't teach you everything, there's only one of me. Right. So I'm like, Hey, check out these other accounts, check out these other badass Latinas. Like they're talking about this stuff too. Right. So, um, like really finding that community online. Cause I did not have that community in the workspace. I tried to create that community, um, at this nightmare firm that I told you with the separate, separate, but equal sync. Um, they didn't have any employee resource groups and I tried to create one for women. Uh, and I was told, Oh, um, we can't do that because it might be like exclusionary for males and we don't want to get sued. And I'm like, this is not a new concept. Like these exist. So figure out like how, and they're like, well, like, write us a proposal. I'm like, not you guys creating all these barriers. I'm like, I'm good, you know? So I, I wrote them off and I'm so glad that I left. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, now I'm thankful for, for having some of those negative experiences. Cause I know that it's not all rainbows and unicorns out there, you know? And, um, a lot of my community, like they're going through those tough faces. Right. So they're like, is this it? And I'm like, no, like keep looking like there's, it, it might take you a while till you find that place where you feel like you don't have to be burning yourself out to prove that you belong there right where managers you know aren't um interrupting you or you're not being speaking over but like keep trying right like those places are out there or seek entrepreneurship honestly i, I never ever could have imagined you know the, the freedom uh, that comes with entrepreneurship and you know i get to pick who i work with right so i get to be me and if you don't like me then we don't have to work together right so it's super liberating uh, and i wish that i would have known that sooner as like a young woman of color mi gente that wraps up this week's episode of the quintuetas podcast if you enjoyed this episode please do us a favor leave us a rating and a review it just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism thank you and see you next week